everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, September 25th. I'm back in video form as well as audio form. If you're listening to the podcast version of our chat, then nothing has been different at all for you for the past week. But if you're used to looking at my face and looking at my videos, then um, you know I've been missing a little bit more lately. But because my computer crashed and it was horrible, but I got a new computer. Yay! So I'm back ready to chat about some YNR. Um, I'm actually going to kind of do a super casual version today uh, because I'm running a little bit short on time and um, normally I tend to think about what I'm going to say <laughs> before I say it, but today I'm just going to shoot from the hip. It's going to be on the fly. Uh, hopefully it'll, it'll still be good, uh, but I'll be definitely relying on you guys to give me um your perspectives on all of the things that I'm sure I'm going to miss. And I thought, though, that we would start out today talking about the bombshell casting updates that are that are happening right now. I normally don't keep up on what's going on in the world of YNR outside of, like, watching the show, but bang, bam! <laughs> there is a lot of casting changes coming right up, and I think first maybe we'll talk about uh, the people that are going out, and I, I can't wait to hear what you guys think about all of this, if you're excited or happy or whatever, but first up is Tristan Rogers. Colin, as Colin, he's out. Colin is out. Colin is going to be gone. Now, I have some kind of mixed emotions about this, because for... <sighs> I mean, for a long time, I have not been feeling Colin. I just, he, he's not attractive to me, and I just couldn't quite see him with Jill. But I will admit that within the last, maybe month, probably since Genevieve pushed him off the ledge, <laughs> he's become more entertaining to me. And um, just, you know, when he's he's funny, he seems to be a funny guy. Um, the actor is clearly very talented and he had a lot to offer. But just, you know, the character of Colin just wasn't quite speaking to me. But of course, as soon as I start to get interested in him, mwah, kiss him goodbye. He's gone. Of course, that's always how it seems to go. Um, who else? OK, number two major casting change. Sean Patrick Flannery as Sam is going bye-bye. No more of him. Now, I know probably many of you are not particularly upset by this development, but I really had feelings for Sam when they were, when he and Sharon were on the farm. I really felt there was a good vibe between them. I liked the whole farm fantasy. I enjoyed that entire storyline, but now they've brought him back to Genoa City, and he's trying to blend in. He's trying to get himself back into the, into the mix, but there's sadly just no place for him. Even as much as I like him, I have to admit, there really just is no place for him in Genoa City. They're, they seem to be trying to... I don't know if they're trying to pair him with Victoria, but there's a friendship developing with Victoria, which I am all for. I'm enjoying watching uh, her and Victoria and Sam um, riding horses and, you know, playing with the dog and having their little banter back and forth. And Victoria hurt her ankle this week and uh, Sam was taking care of it for her, which was so reminiscent of what he did for Sharon. I'm pretty sure Sharon hurt her ankle or her leg or something when, when she was on the farm. 
Um, and and it, they do have a nice little dynamic, but I don't want Sam and Victoria together ultimately. I don't think that they would work as a couple ultimately. And I just can't think of anyone else who I would want to pair him with. I mean, who else could there even be? So I think in another place and another time, Sam would have been a really good character for YNR if there was a different uh, cast of characters happening, but just where we're at right now, I'm afraid that he's not working out and he's bye-bye. Um, okay, moving on. Who else do we got here? Uh, we have, uh, I'm pretty surprised about this, I have to admit. Darius McClary as Malcolm is out. He's gone. It's He's going to be filming his last scenes, uh, as reported. And I feel like this is, this is the biggest disappointment to me, is that, that Malcolm is no longer going to be on the scene. Now, I know that fans really had a hard time taking to him. I, I think that fans were never really able to accept Darius as Malcolm. It was a, a huge shoes, if you will, and by shoes I mean pants <laughs> to fill. <laughs> uh, to try to come in and step into a role that Shamar Moore played brilliantly and is famously known for, and, and fans loved Shamar Moore as Malcolm. So I, I think it was a hard role for him to step into, but I was open to it. From the beginning, you guys know, I, I have always been a supporter of New Malcolm, and the reason being more so that I want to see some depth in the Winters family. I want to see some storylines revolving around the Winters family, and less about me thinking that the actor was great in the role. It was just really more for me wanting to use Malcolm as a vehicle to get Neil onto screen more. It's, it feels like the only thing that we ever see out of a Winters is Lily. You know, and Neil is, is rarely on the landscape, and I and have enjoyed getting to know Sophia. And I like the dynamic of the dueling brothers between uh, Malcolm and Neil. And so it was a disappointment to me to hear that he that he was going to be leaving. And I hope that this doesn't mean that it's going to be more deserted winters. I, I mean, I don't know why they do this, but, you know, they YNR tried to build up this... Um, storyline with Sophia and the baby and, you know, Malcolm and this rivalry, and it could have worked. I think it absolutely could have worked, but YNR does this thing that they always do, and that they will get you ramped up for a storyline and then yank it away for three weeks. Okay, we haven't heard anything. It's been so long since we've heard anything about what's up with Sophia's baby. I mean, two weeks ago, there was a little false uh, paternity result, like we could have figured out who, who the father was, but then, you know, it was just brushed just to the side again. So I, I'm sad because I feel like, you know, this is, it's, it's, it's disappointing that it seems like we're not going to be able to see, um, or I, I guess I shouldn't say that. I hope that this does not signal um, less Neil and Sophia on the, the YNR landscape. We need more winters, more winters. I've always said that and I stand by it. Now, the biggest <laughs> news, saving this one for last, I am ready to get out my party hat and my noisemakers, and I'm ready to throw some confetti into the air because Eden Rigel is out as Heather. Heather is... Oh. <laughs> 
happy. I When I saw that news, I was like, finally! I've been, like, there are so few characters on YNR that I really can't like. I, I, I tried to like her, and, and, and it's not the actress's fault. I think part of it is that I I had preconceived notions of Heather, and I and I just believe that Eden was a really bad recast for that role, and it was certainly nothing against her, but I just didn't like her in that role. It didn't work for me, and I'm so glad that she's gonna be gone and getting away, and far freaking away from my Ronin. <laughs> important thing. So that has been a long time coming. I, I, There are some really good souls out there who liked Heather and wanted to give her a chance, and I tried, I really tried, but I think the majority of, of us are ready to um, do a little dance <laughs> at Heather's demise. Let's hope they actually kill her off. That's what I'd like. I'd like for Heather to be killed off violently. <laughs> oh, that's so mean and so terrible, but she really, truly is my my, my very least favorite character, and I'm glad to know she's gone. <laughs> Sorry to say that. Um, okay, so those are the goings. Let's talk about the comings. And there's really only one that's major, and that is, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Melody Thomas Scott is coming back as Nikki. Nikki is coming back to us, you guys. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. She just signed a new deal with YNR, and she's gonna be back onto the scene. She's, she's, they've had her hanging out to dry <laughs> for months and months at rehab, and now she's hopefully gonna come back stronger and, and, and more determined than ever, and with a storyline that is not necessarily all revolved around Victor or her kids, something that's all her own. Please, YNR, please, focus in on Nikki, focus in on her character, give her a business storyline, give her a project, give her something interesting to do, get her in there with Catherine. Maybe the reason that Catherine has been such a monster lately is because she doesn't have Nikki to balance her out. So insert Nikki into that part of the storyline, and just please bring Nikki back as the wonderful goddess that we have all come to know and love and certainly feel free to, to to continue on with the Victor romance but if you and if you do YNR I can't take having uh, having my heart broken one more time by Nikki and Victor so if you bring Nikki back and you pair her with Victor this time it better be forever because I'm I'm really disappointed in in Victor he he has really become nothing more than a villain lately. I I have a huge soft spot for Victor, and even I am having a tough time forgiving all, everything that he's doing with Billy and Delia, and just the, the lies and the deceit this time just seems so almost just unmotivated and, and just wrong, wrong, wrong. Again, he's a character that has become, like Catherine, just a monster, and I think he needs Nikki to balance him out, too. I... I, I don't like that he's using Delia as a, a way to keep Billy away from Victoria. It's just disgusting. He's got this line of logic saying that it's better for Delia to not have Billy as a father in her life. It's the same line of logic that, that YNR uses constantly to try to keep children away from their parents, whether it's a custody battle or a situation like this, and it's ridiculous, and I hate it. Delia needs her father, and it's, it's, it's really making Victor look like a major jerk 
that he's keeping them apart and I don't like it. And he he's he's keeping Billy apart from Victoria when he clearly wants to be around here. And it was particularly disgusting when he told Billy this week that Victoria was moving on. He he led Billy to believe that Victoria was moving on and dating again and Billy didn't believe it at first, but he ended up sneaking away from his trailer and peeking in through the window at Victoria's house just as Sam is carrying Victoria up to her bedroom, like picking her up in her arms and carrying her upstairs to the bedroom for, from Billy's perspective looking like a romantic thing, but we all know it was because Victoria hurt her ankle and, and Sam's there helping her out. So it was it's particularly despicable that Victor was using Sam for that the entire time. I knew there had to be some reason why Victor was being so nice to Sam, and it's because he was using him, uh, again, as a bargaining chip. Everybody is just a casualty. They're all pawns in Victor's little game, and it, it really is becoming quite disgusting. On the plus side, though, he was wearing a silver jacket <laughs> this week that I thought looked really suave. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, silver jacket is, is, is suave on Victor. He looked good this week. He, at least if he's going to be a, a horrible villain, at least he can look good while he's doing it. I, Billy, on the other hand, still is looking like crap. He's still feeling like crap. And there's this part of me, as Victor is is forcing him to stay away from Delia and telling him lies about Victoria's relationship status, there's part of me thinking, why is Billy letting Victor tell him what to do? And furthermore, why is he believing anything that comes out of Victor's mouth? I mean, he has to know that there's more to the story there. And, 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 and furthermore, what is it that Billy has done that is so terrible, that's so bad? What did he do in Asia? There's this implication right now that whatever it was that Billy did in Asia that got him thrown into jungle jail that Victor saved him from, it was so bad that all of his family is going to be disgraced if they find out about it. Victoria will never take him back if she finds out about it. And I just wonder what on earth it could possibly be. Did he kill a prostitute or something? I like something involving another woman? Because he did this series of imagine like um imaginations this week where Billy is imagining him reuniting with Victoria and you know they're getting back together and they they really miss each other and they never stop thinking about each other and in the imagination in the dream sequence Victoria you know there's an alternate dream where Billy just tells Victoria everything he tells her the full truth about what it was that he did in Asia and Victoria's response was how could you do this to me so we didn't find out what exactly it was that he did, but I thought that her response, just we saw her reaction to whatever it was, I thought that was very telling. So it almost makes me think that it has something to do with another woman. I don't know. Could he have got... I don't know. I really don't know. The only thing I could come up with is maybe he had sex with a prostitute and killed her. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. I don't even think that that's something Billy would do. But um, but yeah, I, if you guys have any theories about what it is that Billy did that was so horrible, please leave me a comment and let me know. I'd love to hear. Um, now, now back at the hospital, we've got Kevin in the most awkward position in the world, having to take credit 
for being Delia's bone marrow donor. When ever, when you know, of course, Victor and we all know that it's Billy. Billy is actually the donor, and and Kevin is you know kind of serving as the the ghost donor. He's acting like it was it was him that that uh, was able to save Delia's life. And for one thing, I'm also I was kind of disappointed. That to learn that it was Michael that suggested that Kevin go along with this to Victor, or, or Michael suggested to Victor that Kevin be the the one to do this. I was disappointed in Michael for that. He he rationalized it by saying he knew that Kevin was going to be the only person who would have both Delia and Chloe's best interests in mind, but it forced Kevin into this really freaking awkward position, and it's sued, as Kevin told Chloe that he was the donor, Chloe freaked out. She was, like, so happy. I mean, she's looking at Kevin like he is the savior. He just saved her daughter's life. Chloe has been going through the darkest, darkest times of her life, and now all of a sudden, Kevin, this friend that's been there with her through thick and thin, is the one that's going to be able to save her, and she's looking at him like he is a god, and it's just, it was actually quite funny because Kevin is clearly awkward. He's clearly uncomfortable with all of the attention he's receiving from her, and he tells her, look, just keep it on the down low, okay? I'm donating the bone marrow, but I don't want you to go crazy and tell everybody about it. And Chloe's like, okay, that's fine. I just, I promise I won't tell anybody. I'm just so happy. I, I promise I won't, I won't tell anyone. And she turns around the next second and tells everyone, Kevin's a match. <laughs> she spreads the word. And now all of a sudden, everyone who's been rallying around Delia for weeks is, is coming in and, and they're, and learning that Kevin is supposedly the donor match, and they're throwing a party with balloons, and they're showering with him, they're having a little parade through the hospital. Kevin's a match! Kevin's a match! It's Kevin Fisher Day! Catherine literally offered to call the governor and have it freaking declared Kevin Fisher Day, and the entire time, Kevin's just sitting there like... <sighs> you can tell he's turning into this like ball of anxiety. You can read it on his face. He's uncomfortable being in this position. And now that things have settled in, Chloe is starting, I think, to give him so much affection. And I think maybe she's kind of turning it into a romantic thing. She just, uh, on on Friday's show, just, you know, she they had a quiet moment together. And she just kind of held him and looked into his eyes and gave him a kind of a heartbreaking kiss. I mean, she's looking at him like he just saved her life. And she's ready to, you know, to give him all of that affection that I'm sure he wanted from her all along. And unfortunately, now it's under these really, really terrible and deceitful circumstances. And I know that that's not Kevin's personality to, to want to do that. So it's a, it's a hard time to be Kevin right now. There's Ronan. <laughs> There's Ronan who I I want Chloe to be affectionate with. I want him to be I want her to be affectionate with Ronan instead of Kevin. So this has created a wedge between my Clonin reunion. And I am really loving him. He's Ronan is he's melting my heart more and more every day. He um, ended up calling Chloe on the phone to see how she was doing, and she told him, you know, I'm fine. He offers to come to the hospital, and she's like, no, don't come here. I'm fine. Next thing you know, he shows up at the hospital. Even though 
she told him not to. And I just thought that was so sweet. He, she, she looks at him and says, I told you not to come. And he, in the sexiest voice, looks at her and says, I guess I'm just a rebel. Oh! <laughs> oh. Yes, you are. <laughs> Ronan. Yes, you are. Sexy. Sexy. Wolfy. Rebel. <laughs> I am, I'm enjoying it so, so much. But I, I, there's a sweet side to him, too, that I'm enjoying seeing. He wants to take care of her. He, he, he wants to, to help her through this hard time, and not just to gain points. He's going to the hospital not just to gain points with her, because he uh, ends up kind of walking away from the Delia's bedside to go get them some food. You know, he's concerned about Chloe. He wants to make sure she's eating. So he goes down to the cafeteria to get some food. When he shows back up, Kevin kind of blocks him from going back into the room and Kevin gives him, you know, the cold shoulder, telling him basically he needs to stay away from Chloe. And Ronan just hands over the plate of food to Kevin and says to him, just make sure she eats. So it's not about him, you know, wanting Chloe to see him acting like some great protector. It's genuinely that he cares about her and he wants to make sure that she's okay, you know, going through this. And I really like this side of him because he's always been portrayed as this selfish guy, you know, that especially with the liver issue, that it's all about him. And for once, I, I, I'm really enjoying this because it's clear that it's not about him. In Ronan's mind, for once, maybe... Maybe for the first time, it's about her. In other Ronan news, Ronan is <clears throat> very busy right now, still trying to figure out who it was that killed Diane Jenkins. And it's looking really bad for Ashley. It's looking really bad for Ashley. Who's ever blackmailing her? has sent her these photos of the night that she was in the park, and rather than burning the photos, Ashley rips them up and throws them into a dumpster. And what do you know she's being tailed by one of by one of Ronan's guys, like a police officer. The, the guy reaches into the dumpster after her, takes the picture, sends it back to Ronan, and now Ronan has this evidence of this photo evidence of Ashley in the park with Diane choking her. Like, it was a still from the camera. And I, I just wanted to smack Ashley because, like, I if I get a credit card bill or something, like, I will literally cut up my credit card bill and space it out, like throw it away in different garbage cans, <laughs> like just so that nobody can put anything together and get my credit card information. Like I go out of my way to make sure that nobody steals my credit card information. If I had some kind of incriminating evidence, a like a photo of me strangling someone, you better believe I would be burning that in the bathtub. <laughs> like there would be no more of that. But. Ashley didn't quite see it that way. And now Ronan has this evidence. I don't know what he's going to do with it. I really don't. Uh, it's It looks like Ashley killed Diane. And because of that, we know that she didn't. So I don't know how she's going to get out of this. If you guys have any theories of how she's going to get out of it, I'd love to hear it because in combination with the photo and the the audio evidence that Abby inadvertently helped Ronan to get last week, it, it's just, there's a lot of things working against uh, Ashley. And um, Abby feels really bad about that, by the way. She, I, she seems to not 
she seems to want to blame Tucker for everything that's happened to her mother. And she, she refuses to look just in the mirror and realize that all of the bad stuff, her mom going to jail, um, you know, earlier this year and, and now being in, in this position with this audio evidence, all of that's because of Abby. Doesn't have anything to do with Tucker. It's Abby, I think, wanting to fix things, but and but trying so hard to keep her away, to keep her mother away from Tucker, that she's causing her more and more grief. And I just want Abby to look into the mirror and realize that. And I think that maybe a good a good thing that's happening is the friendship that seems to be developing between Abby and Devon. How do you guys feel about that? Have you noticed it? Are you are you feeling it? Are you feeling it in a romantic way or are you feeling it in a friendship way? I'm curious to know if there's if there's any Abby Devon uh, uh, pairing uh, fans out there. What would they what would it be called? Abvon or Devabby? <laughs> that would be their couple name. Um, but leave me a comment if you're looking forward to that. Uh, either way. I, I'm just happy that it seems to be a friendship because at, uh, Devon seems to be one of the only people in Abby's right life right now that is not afraid to just look her in the face and say, you know what, you're being a spoiled brat. It was some pretty good comedy uh, with Gloria and Cullen trapped in the wine cellar at Genevieve's house. It, I, I was pretty impressed with the set. I thought that it, Genevieve's house is turning out to be a really neat house. Uh, beyond the wine cellar, they ended up finding a little trap door that led into this sort of speakeasy, sort of like 1920s prohibition style speakeasy with a, a craps table, I think that's, or a poker table or something, and, you know, these barrels of, of alcohol and, you know, additional wine, and uh, probably most importantly, a safe, which Colin discovered and was able to crack the code to. He got into this little safe and discovered a lot of papers. Um, apparently, Genevieve has been tracking Colin's actions, and uh, she has kind of a paper trail on him that appears to be um, incriminating because... Gloria and Colin are, tra you know, Colin doesn't want to tell Gloria that he's focused on this information, this, uh, of what's in the safe. Gloria's, like, just can't believe that she's stuck in the cellar, and there's a lot, there's a lot of just comedy that's happening, happening between them that I enjoyed. But finally, uh, Kane and Jill figure out that it's, that, that, that that's where they're trapped, that Colin, that at least Colin is trapped in the wine cellar. And Kane had a really great moment um, where, that I didn't want to forget to mention, where he comes to the wine cellar door and he's like, are you in there? And Colin and Gloria are like, yes, we're in here, help us out. And, and Kane's like, stand back from the door. And he just like, with this awesome karate kid chop, kicks in the wine cellar door like, hiya! <laughs> And busts the door down and rescues Gloria and Colin. Of course, Jill's there too, and she's looking at Gloria and Colin like, "What are you both doing here together?" Like, Jill, come on, Jill, you gotta get rid of that jealousy. She's so used to being jealous over Genevieve. It's like you don't need any extra stress right now. Don't worry about Colin and Gloria. It was perfectly fine. But uh, so Colin discovered all of these papers, and Kane, while he was kind of 
looking around in the uh, wine cellar area, discovers that there's this safe. And he ended up blowing up the safe to find out what evidence was inside, and he ended up getting everything that he needed. Apparently, he's taken some of these papers, he's hooked up with Ronan, and now he's wanting to hopefully nail Colin with some kind of crime. I mean, there was they kind of reinforced the implication this week that Colin was part of the mob. So it sounds like this might be how Colin will exit the show. And, and it might actually end up being just the thing to bring uh, Lily and Kane back together as well. There was um, a little scene between Lily and Kane this week where um, Lily implied that she was still very afraid of Colin and kind of pushed Kane saying, why? are you not working harder to, to get him out of here? So I think Kane is realizing that that might be a way back into Lily's life, finally defeating his father and um, and probably his mother too. Je- Genevieve is, I'm wondering if her days are numbered because we found out that her intention for locking Gloria and, or locking Colin into the wine cellar. Gloria was just a happy side note. But locking him in the in the wine cellar was because she was then going to, while he was indisposed, drain all of his accounts of all of his money. So he can't do anything about it while he's trapped and she's off traveling, probably taking his money from him. Which has got to be a crime. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Genevieve's na- days in Genoa City are numbered as well. Sharon's trial began this week. It was day one of her trial, and everyone was in the peanut gallery kind of gasping, waiting for Adam's testimony. What's he going to say? And I have to admit that there was a part of me that thought that maybe Adam was trying to testify on the prosecution's behalf and inquiring about what the prosecution's strategy was going to be so that he could help Sharon in the long run. I I was just thinking, like, maybe he was going to pretend to be on their side and then at the last minute flip and declare his love for Sharon on the stand and then they would reunite and kiss and everything would be fine. But that is not (laughs) at all what happened. I, I was disappointed in Adam. He did pretty much, you know, he, he, he wasn't as bad as he could have been, uh, at slinging mud at Sharon. He did admit that she was a good mother, and you could tell that he still has feelings for her, but his revenge overtook all of that, and he, he did end up, you know, saying that, uh, well, just, you know, saying that she was void of moral character. Now, my question is, if, if if it's okay for the prosecution to go on and on and establish the Sharon's moral character, why not do the same thing for Adam? Adam, he's lied. He's been he's been charged with perjury before. I don't know why anybody was believing anything that's ever come out of his mouth. And thank goodness Avery nailed him on the stand. You know, she she pretty much let Adam sit back, tell his whole story about how Sharon cheated on him and yada yada, and then she pulled up a transcript that he uh, had given in, in uh, of, you know, giving his statement about Skye's murder earlier in the year. And, of course, the statement earlier in the year, when he was together with Sharon, was that Sharon could never hurt Skye. He knows for a fact that she could never do that. So she, Avery actually forced Adam to read his own words, and it pretty much, I think, negated his testimony. He looked like a real liar coming out of all of that. Um, 
So I think that that was really good for Sharon's case. And as a result of having a really great first day on trial, the prosecutor decided to offer Sharon a plea bargain. He was going to, in exchange for her, uh admitting manslaughter or copping to a charge of manslaughter. He would make sure that she was out of jail in 18 months. So it presented Sharon with a really interesting moral dilemma. You know, does she tell the truth and get and still go on with her trial and possibly get a life sentence and be convicted for Skye's murder? Or does she lie, cop to the, to, to the charge of manslaughter, say that she did intend to kill Skye and get out in 18 months and be able to spend time with her children. So it presented her with this interesting dilemma, and in the end, Sharon was ready to take it. I was I was kind of surprised. Sharon said, you know, it's, it's, it's a sure thing. Getting out in 18 months is a sure thing versus possibly never getting out. Kind of a no-brainer. So Sharon decides that she's going to take the plea bargain, but both Avery and Victor are kind of looking at her like we really don't want you to do this. We want you to continue on with the trial. We think, you know, Avery feels like she can get Sharon off the hook. So Avery, you know, of course, it's her job to to make sure that she goes through with Sharon's wishes. She doesn't want to lose. Avery doesn't want to lose. She doesn't want to take this plea bargain. So she has a little trick up her sleeve. She tells Sharon, all right, we'll go back to court. We'll tell them you're going to take the deal. And in the meantime, she goes and has a little visit with Nick. And she just very kind of slyly asks Nick if he could come back to the trial where Sharon's going to admit manslaughter. And, and could could he bring the kids too? It would be really good if she could bring, if he could bring Faith and Noah and that Sharon's whole family could be there to support her. And that's kind of how she, she laid it out to Nick. Well, we get to the trial. Sharon is ju- just standing there. The judge asks her, if she pleads guilty to the crime, you know, to the the manslaughter of Skye, when all of a sudden Nick and the kids walk into the courtroom, Sharon turns around, sees her, her baby calling out mommy, and Sharon, at the last minute, recants and says, no, I can't do it. I can't tell a lie. I'm not going to take this plea bargain. And the trial now will continue. Well, it's it's all or nothing. It's now an all or nothing game. She's going to continue on with it. And it's it's worth noting that Nick was not happy about this. He figured out pretty quick that what Avery had done was a, 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 a kind of a, a slick trick. And he doesn't appreciate Avery using his children and his family and Sharon's feelings for her children um, into, you know, to, to kind of further her case. So that caused a little bit of tension between Avery and Nick, which Avery tried to clear up with Nick early or later at the coffee house, and Phyllis butted in on and kind of um, just, just just attacked Avery. There's just no two ways about it. Phyllis does not want Avery anywhere near Nick. And I just, I still don't understand why. I I guess I understand why she doesn't want her around Nick. What I don't understand is why Phyllis cannot open up her heart to Avery. Why does she not want Avery around her at all? Because from my understanding, whatever it was that happened bad in that household, it was the parents' fault. I don't think Avery ever did anything to Phyllis. I mean, she's making her uncomfortable now, but frankly, if my sister were trying to act like I, I didn't exist, that would probably tick me off and give me some cause to to 
give her a little bit of, of crap too. But I just, I don't understand what it is that, that makes Phyllis not want to have anything to do with Avery. The only thing that I can put my finger on is just that Phyllis wants to run away from her past. She, she doesn't want to look at Avery because she doesn't want to acknowledge whatever it was that happened to her. And instead of pushing Avery away, I wish that Phyllis would face whatever those demons are, whatever it was that hurt her so badly. I wish she would just face it and come to terms with it because otherwise it's just going to be awkward between her and Avery from now into the foreseeable future, especially because Avery might have another case on her hands, which should be oh so interesting. So Sharon, after rejecting her, uh, the, 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 the plea bargain, Sharon's hanging out in that little, uh, visitor's area by herself. And this other female inmate comes up to her and starts giving it to her, starts kind of, at first is pretty nice to her, but then is quickly turns mean and is like, you know, do you think that you're better than us? How can you just turn down a plea bargain? You could be out of here in 18 months while the rest of us all have to stay here. And it just turned violent really quickly. Like the girl was going to beat Sharon down and who shows up but Daisy. Now, Sharon and Daisy had had a brief little encounter earlier, just kind of Daisy sort of saying, hey, do you think maybe you could help me out? Could your attorney help me out? You know, I'm in here and I'm innocent too. And Sharon's like, mm, I don't want to really have anything to do with this. This has to do with Phyllis and I don't want to, I don't want to get anywhere in Phyllis's business anymore and I don't really want to help you. But now all of a sudden Daisy jumps in on this little fight and ends up taking a punch. For Sharon, the, the 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 other inmate throws a punch and Daisy gets it right in the face. And just when you 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 think oh, maybe Daisy's changing her ways, she's she's sticking up for Sharon. She's she's being a kind of a good girl here. You just see this look, this shot of Daisy's face, and she's just looking up, and you just know she's got this slight little smirk on her face, like she's pulled something off. And you realize that she was the one that set it up. She set it up so that that other inmate would come in, uh, harass Sharon so that Daisy could step in and be the rescuer. So now Daisy's gaining favor with Phyllis, and she ended up having a little encounter with Avery later. You know, of course, they're all grateful for Daisy for saving Sharon's life, and Daisy just so sweetly and so innocently looks at Avery and says, well, I'm innocent. Do you think you could help me? You know, I I was tricked into giving um, incriminating testimony by someone who promised to help me. And that person, of course, is Phyllis. And uh, she says, Daisy says to Avery, um, you know, it's, it's Phyllis. Do you, do you know who she is? And Avery just kind of coldly says, I'm aware of her. So now it's really up to, it's really up to Avery as to what she's going to do now. Um, Phyllis has made it very clear to Avery that she doesn't want to have anything to do with her. She doesn't want her near her family at all. And now Avery is presented with this situation where she could very well be going head to head with Phyllis, getting trying to get Daisy out of prison. And we all know that as soon as Daisy gets out of prison, she is going straight for Lucy. Okay, breaking it down for the podcast, peeps. You guys, that's going to pretty much do it for me 
for this week. It has been a busy one. I told you my computer keeps has had been crashing, but I got a brand new one, so um, I'm I'm back on track with uh, with my podcast and my video series. If you if you weren't maybe aware that I also video um, do a video version of this podcast, um, you should check it out. Uh, you can go to my blog at yrchatblog.blogspot.com and you can see me. I'm I'm videotaping as I um, as I talk. So if you want to see what I look like or my, see my stupid facial expressions, you can do that. Check that out there. Um, that's also a really good place to leave me a comment. Let me know what you think. I can't wait to hear what you guys think about the casting updates especially. So go to my blog, uh, leave me a comment, and let me know what you think. Um... Let's see, you could also uh, call me and leave me a comment. Uh, the telephone number is within the U.S., 309-588-4569. I'll say that one more time. It's 309-588-4569. You can give me a buzz, let me know what you're thinking. And, you know, uh, you could also go to iTunes and leave me a review there. That's really nice. It's a, I really feel good when I read your comments, your feedback, just in general about the podcast. If you're enjoying what I'm doing and you want to support it, go to iTunes, find my podcast, Ellie's YR Chat, and uh, leave me a review. That It really does help. It really does make a difference. And it brightens my day to hear what you guys think about what I'm doing here. All right. <sighs> Deep breath. <laughs> That's a lot of talking. That's a lot of talking concentrated into uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, so it's it's your turn. You guys got to tell me what you think. Um, I can't wait to hear. Uh, I love you so much, and I'll definitely be back next week to chat again about the show. So everybody take care. I love you, and we'll see you next time. Bye.